Welcome, I'm Jabo, and in this short series of videos, I'll show you how I use the wonderful Denote package for Emacs to implement a Zettelkasten. In the first video, we had a look at what we need to have a Zettelkasten links and backlinks, uh, the search to ability, uh, the, the, the ability to search titles and keywords independently of each other and the ability to inspect the sequential context of notes. Um, check out the first video if you want to hear the reasoning behind this. This is the second video, uh, however, and here I'll um, demo the workflow of, of several uh, search and inspect operations with Denote. So let's get right into it. Um, what we're looking at here is DRED, the directory editor, the standard file manager of Emacs. Um, we're looking at this file listing because Denote works with a rather ingenious uh, file naming scheme. Um, the file names are where a lot of the magic happens in Denote. Just a quick remark, this is not my actual Zettelkasten, but just a set of notes with random text. Um, there are two reasons for that. First, I don't want to accidentally disclose potentially private information. And secondly, I want to do this demo under stress test conditions. And there's a set of 10,000 markdown files out and about, which is often used to, to, to stress test uh, note-taking uh, systems. And I turned these 10,000 markdown files um, into org files and prepared them uh, with signatures and a lot of links between them. Um, so you'll see how well Denote uh, scales and performs, even if you have uh, quite a lot of Zettels. Okay, so this is uh, the Zettelkasten directory, the Denote directory. Um, so in, in, in terms of the Zettelkasten method, this is your Zettelkasten. You put all your Zettels in one directory. You can use subdirectories, Denote supports that, and in fact, I do have one here, excerpt, uh, excerpts, and I'll explain um, about that in video number four. But the general idea is to put everything in one directory and you'll see why that is useful and, how, and, and when it's sensible to, to deviate from that idea. But first, let's look at the file naming scheme. If you look at this last note here, you see that the file name consists of four fields and denote provides a nice fontification in DRED so the fields are highlighted with different colors to be more easily discernible. The first field here is the so-called identifier field. It is used by other files that want to link here and I'll explain more detail about that in the third video. For now let's just say that it's a unique identifier for your file and is the one part of the file name that shouldn't change. The rest can and often will uh, change, but this first bit needs to be immutable or your links will break. Also, as you can probably see, the identifier isn't some random hash. It's uh, a timestamp of the second this node has been created, and that's useful in several ways. I'll come to that too later. The second field is the signature field. I explained about those in the first video, and we'll be looking at how to inspect the semantic relations expressed in these signatures in a minute. Um, it's separated from the identifier field by double equal signs, and these characters sort of introduce the field. And the same idea applies to the next field, which is the title of the note. It's introduced by double dashes, double minus signs, um, and if you have a multi-word title, then each word is also separated by a minus sign. 
So you can think of Minus as the title character in, Tino, in Denote. Uh, similarly, underscores are uh, the keyword character. As you see here, the keyword field is uh, introduced by two underscores. And if you have more than one keyword, they are separated by underscores as well. And that's all there is to it. Pretty simple, easy to understand and remember, but it gives you a lot of ways to do search operations just by looking through this uh, file listing. So just by using um, standard tools to interact with files like DRED here, um, or your favorite file manager, whatever, we can find out a lot of things about our nodes without even opening them just by looking at their file names. Just one quick remark, um, this uh, signature field isn't part of the main branch of Denote yet, it's still in an experimental um, development branch, um, but I, I uh, hope and expect it, it will come sometime in the future. Uh, and if you, like me, uh, don't want to work that long, you can uh, wait that long, you can use this experimental branch. I've been using it for, I think, almost three months now, and it, it, it works fine. Okay, um, so, but let's look at the whole search and inspect things. Um, let's start uh, searching through the notes. Let's say I'm looking for my recorded knowledge about the topic of foo. Maybe I want to read something about it, or maybe I've just read a text in which contains some aspects of foo that I would like to add to my Zettelkasten. And um, I want to see what's already there and find out where to put it. So here in DRED, I could just type Control-S, which depending on your setup, will bring up iSearch or some other search tool. And in my case, it brings up uh, Consult. Um, and I could just type Foo. And as you can see here in the mini buffer, that's not very helpful. This uh, Zettelkasten contains 35 nodes that have somewhere uh, have the word Foo in the file name. But you can also see that some have foo in the title, like this one, and others have it in the keywords, like this one. And the cool thing about the file naming scheme is that I can refine my search easily without having to do any fancy syntax or something. Um, I can uh, adapt this. Remember, minus is the title character and underscore is the keyword character. So if I want to see only notes that have foo in the title, I can prepend my search with a minus sign. And I'm down to 26 notes. But maybe I want to limit my search to notes where the title starts with foo. And I can prepend my foo with two minus signs because that's how the title field begins. And I'm already down to six notes. And as you can see, I probably would have already uh, found the file I'm looking for because only one of these actually starts with the word foo. The others, it's just the beginning of other words like food and football and so on. But I could also um, search for keywords by prepending my search with an underscore. And as you can see, um, I'm down to four nodes already. Depending on how you use keywords, it might make sense to look for only the first keywords with double underscores. 
Um, of course, that only makes sense um, if the order of your keywords has some meanings. I, I don't do keywords this I don't use keywords that way. In fact, I use keywords uh, very sparingly. But if your approach is different, more power to you. I'll talk a bit more about different approaches to use keywords later in this video. Now, let's rather look at that, um, depending on your Emacs setup, uh, you can also easily combine searches. Let's say I want to see only notes that have both foo in the title and the keywords. So um, I use the orderless completion style, so I can just type underscore foo and minus foo in any order, um, and I'll just get the one note. And of course, these needn't be just combinations of the same search term in different fields, but all sorts of permutations. For example, I can look for files that have foo in the keywords and wuzzy in the title, um, um, or the other way around, you know, foo in the title and fish in the keywords. If, like me, you only sparingly use keywords, um, you can also use a single underscore as a filter. Only show notes that have foo in the title and have any keywords at all. Cool, right? But let's not forget that the identifier field is also not just a random ID or a hash that makes only sense to computers. It's a human-readable timestamp that tells you when this node has been created. And you could use that to narrow down your searches too. Of course, you probably won't remember exact dates, but maybe years or decades? I often remember my working context when I was working on a certain topic. Something like, I worked on this topic during my PhD years, or back when I was working for this and that organization, so it should be the years so-and-so. So, um, the timestamp can be used as a rough narrowing of, for example, decades. So again, let's look at notes, look for notes with foo in the title, any keywords at all, and narrow it down to to uh, notes from the 2020s or the 2010s. And so you see how this works. Without opening a, a single file, just by looking at the file names, we have been able to perform various search operations on keywords, titles, time, and combinations thereof. And you're not li limited to DRED either, or Emacs for that matter. Use your favorite file manager or whatever tool that lets you interact with files in a way you like. This naming scheme is, a, is tool agnostic, but stores a lot of semantic information. And we haven't even looked at signatures yet, but we're doing that now. So we found this note here, which apparently is not only about foo, but also a good starting point to see what else I've written about foo. So I'd probably, at this point, open the node, read through its context, find links to other nodes, etc. But often I don't do that. <laughs> I stay right here in the file manager, and I won't be doing it now either, because A, this node doesn't have any meaningful context. It's uh, contents. It's just, it's just some random text of this uh, out of this set of uh, 
10,000 markdown files. And B, I want to show you how much more semantic relationships between nodes we can inspect um, by looking at the signatures and the sequential context they provide. So this uh, node signature is 52. So let's look for other signatures that start with 52 by just typing equal signs 52 as our search term. And you see this node sequence isn't very complex. Just three nodes. Um, Fu has one aspect here, a duplex communist manifesto, whatever that is. Um, and apparently I haven't added uh, any more major aspects of Fu yet, but the manifesto thingy has a uh, sub aspect, um, which is apparently about surmountable icicles, um, which is uh, equally puzzling. <laughs> so if these were my actual notes, all that would make terrible a lot a terrible lot of sense to me, and I would uh, probably already see where to put the new note about foo that I want to record in my Zettelkasten. That's why we're doing this, remember? I've, I've read something interesting about Foo, or have had some interesting idea about Foo and want to make a quick note of it. So maybe I wouldn't even need to read through my existing notes. This quick look at the sequence um, might be enough to place the new note into its proper context. Maybe I'd want to add another aspect of major aspect of, of Foo. In that case, my new note would be called 52B or I'd want to add another follow-up of the duplex communist manifesto thingy. In that case, it would be 52A2. Or it's a continuation of my thoughts about some multiple icicles, and it would become 52A1A. So, let's do that. Let's say we want to add this new node as 52A2. We call the function denote signature, um, to create a new node with a signature. Two quick remarks here. As I said, the signature feature isn't in the main branch of denote yet. And secondly, um, I have set up several key bindings or hydras uh, for a lot of these commands, but I will explicitly use the commands here so that you can uh, see what I'm using more easily. Okay, denote signature 52A2. And it prompts us for a title, I don't know, another manifesto aspect. And it prompts us for a keyword. And as you can see, it offers us um, a list of keywords. And that brings me to a first look um, at our stress testing perspective. We've been searching through 10,000 files all this time. And I think you agree that all this was very responsive and quick. And also this keyword list here is not a static list. I've set my denote installation to infer keywords. So every time I'm presented with this keyword list, denote goes through this listing of 10,000 files, extract the keywords on the spot and offers it to me. And as you can see, this just came up without any considerable delay. And all that while I'm recording both the screen and video at the same time. So I think it's safe to say that this uh, performs rather well. 
Should you ever find that this becomes sluggish, maybe you're working on an older machine or you have hundreds of thousands of nodes, um, then you can turn off the inference of keywords and switch to a static list of keywords, or you can automate the process of updating that list regularly, etc. But as I said, it's, it's really performance, so you probably won't have to, to touch this. Um, as I said, I use keywords rather sparingly, so I probably wouldn't want to add a keyword here, but let's do it just for demo purposes anyway. Let's uh, add manifesto. Festo. Okay, here we have our note. Uh, let me increase the uh, font size a bit. Um, and we write down the thought uh, of about foo that we wanted to uh, record here. Uh, some musings about the many manifesto aspect of the foo debate or something. Let's save it and let's kill the buffer and return to our uh, file listing. And as you can see, because our identifier is a timestamp, this node has been added to the bottom of our file listing. And that's a good thing. I'll come back to that later. For now, let's have a look at what we did so far. We searched through titles, keywords, timestamps in various combinations uh, to identify good entry points into our Zettelkasten to read and write about a certain topic. And next, we examined the line of thought about that topic by looking at the signatures to find the context for a new node. And all that without touching a single file. All the necessary information was stored in the file name. Neat, huh? But admittedly, the node sequence we've looked at, foo, it, it wasn't very complex. What about larger sequences where the line of thought branches in several places. Let me demonstrate that too. Let's look for another topic. Instead of foo, let's look for, you guessed it, bar. Um, so I'll go for a keyword search uh, here and I find this node. And we have a look at its signature, equal sign 61, and we see that this sequence is larger and more complex. It consists of 27 files, and in this mini buffer, I can't make much about, I can't make out much about the lines of thought here. In everyday practice, I'll often just try out a few branches, 61A, 61B, 61C, and so on. And I know my way around my, my thoughts usually, and I quickly find the stuff I'm looking for. But sometimes I really want to have an overview about the whole sequence. And we can use some nice features of, uh, of DRED here. One I often use is the mark by regex uh, functionality. Um, by default, it's bound to percentage M and it prompts us for search terms. Let's enter equal sign 61. And we see it marked 27 files. Now I can type T to toggle, to invert the marking, and then I type K to kill all marked files from view. So the files are not killed, they are just gone from this listing. And this is already much more helpful than the view in the mini buffer, 
and maybe by looking through this uh, I'd see that my node probably belongs to I don't know 61d um, and I could narrow this down further so uh, let's go again percentage sign m equal sign 61d toggle kill now that's manageable and I could pick out the point where I would uh, put my new note about bar. But there's a more elegant way to pick the right branch of the signature. Let me go back to the whole sequence. Uh, percentage sign M equals sign 61, toggle kill. Okay, here we go. Maybe you'd find it helpful to filter the view just for the first level of branches, 61A, 61B, 61C, and so on. And you can do that too. In fact, you can do all sorts of things. This percentage M functionality of DRED is called marked by regex because the search terms are in fact regular expressions. So if you know your way around um, regular expressions, you can really go to town here with all sorts of complex search operations. I'm not good with regex, and thanks to this uh, file naming scheme here, I usually don't need them either. But there is one bit of regex syntax that I sometimes use for more complex sequences like this, so I memorized it. It's the signet, uh, syntax for just one more character before a minus sign happens. And that's exactly exactly what we need for uh, for filtering for the first level here. So let's try it. Let's go for equal sign 61 and then dot for any character, question mark for zero or one of that character, followed by the minus sign, because that's the beginning of the, um, the title. Okay, enter, toggle, kill. So here you go. And if you have more complex sequences, this dot question mark minus syntax is really worth remembering because consult supports regular, regular expressions too. So here's what I'm sometimes doing. Let's use a ridiculously complex uh, sequence. Not foo, not bar, but buzz. Its root is right here, uh, and the signature is 02. So let's search for it. Equal sign 02. Wow, 3,214 notes. That's a lot of notes. <laughs> So let's restrict it to the first level. Level. Let's append dot question mark minus, and uh, that's better. Now I go through this until I found find the aspect of buzz I'm looking for. I don't know. Let's pick something that I like. This is all. Oh, this is nice. An eff efficacious, uh, efficacious horse. Um, so. That's uh, 0 to W. So I can just move my cursor before the point, before the dot, and uh, no, and have my, my W here. And I'll scroll to the next level to find what I'm looking for, and maybe bibliomaniacal, how, is, how do you pronounce that? Bibliomaniacal home folk. Uh, maybe that's what I'm uh, looking for. Uh, and. I'll do this until I've found, uh, I've reached a manageable level 
of the sequence. And that looks manageable here, so now I can remove the restriction. And I see, okay, this is the sub-branch I'm, I'm looking for, Bibliomaniacal Home Folk, and uh, I have, um, I can see the rest of this, uh, of this branch. And then I'd pick the point where I'd want to, to insert my note. Maybe it's in the context of some uh, geological scraps, and I'd add a new note below this, and I'd go for Oh, wait, uh, below this, and I'd go for denote signature 02w5a2 because one was already taken, and uh, the title uh, some more scraps, and here's our keyword listing again. And as you can see, um, not only is the manifesto keyword that we used before now in the list, it has also been sorted to the top because we've already used that in this Emacs session. Um, the note assumes that because you've recently used that keyword, you're working on that topic and you might want to use it um, again. I don't use keywords that way, but if you're a heavy note tagger, uh, it'll prove very helpful to you. I won't add a keyword here, so I write down... Uh, some things about scraps uh, and save and kill. So speaking of keywords, I promised to tell you how I use keywords. Now, now that you saw how I use signatures, you can quickly, I can quickly summarize my keyword use. I use keywords to identify the start of a sequence about the topic that that keyword stands for. So most of the time, each keyword occurs only once in my Zettelkasten. Only sometimes things develop in a way that I have two independent sequences that contain thoughts about the same topic, and then I sometimes use a keyword twice. So in short, a keyword marks the best entry point to read about a topic, but even more importantly, to start inspecting the respective sequence. Okay, for the last point of this video, I have another promise to keep. I said I'd tell you why I think it's a good thing that because the identifier is a timestamp, um, settles are sorted chronologically. And also, you still might doubt whether the use of signatures really just goes with the flow. You might say, okay, this whole search and inspect thing, just to add another note, this is a lot of stuff. Can't I just write a note, slap a few keywords on top, and done? And yes, that's a valid point. However, the scenario we played with here was coming back to a topic that was already present in the Zettelkasten after some time. And I believe that no matter what your toolset to use the Zettelkasten method is, you always would want to check what's already in your Zettelkasten in that scenario. Otherwise, you'll clutter your second brain with a lot of useless duplicates. And so for, the, for that scenario, I believe this approach of using denote, denote with signatures is very fast and straightforward. But for most of the time, that won't be your scenario. You won't be busy to reconnect to old topics that went untouched for a long time. Usually, you'll be working um, on a topic and writing notes about it in sequence. 
Sure, sometimes you work at two or three topics in parallel and sometimes you get sidetracked, etc. Um, for example, a text in your current project contains some interesting point about another related topic and you want to quickly record that in your Zettelkasten. Um, but in most of these situations, you won't need to go through the whole spiel of, of in inspecting signatures, etc. You just open your Zettelkasten directory and you go to the bottom of your file listing. As you can see, the two notes we created are already here. If I wanted to add another one about scraps, I can just fire up denote signature, enter 02w5a3, and start writing. And if my text about scraps that I'm working on brings up another interesting side note about this duplex communist manifesto thing, um, then I'll just add the note 52A3. So in most cases, I don't really need to inspect signatures at all because I see the last few notes I'm working with and I usually just know where to go. And to me, that's pretty much just write a note, slap a quick signature on top and done. So that's it for this video, folks. We've covered a lot of ground without even opening a file. <laughs> and in the next video, we'll have a look at what we can do when we actually open our notes and see what's in them. Ooh. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and goodbye.